I think we are comparing ourselves. Like I don't compare my reading ability to anybody else. I, you know, sometimes I compare like my nails. Cause like, I, I'm like, I really got to work on growing my nails. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, she's got great nails, you know, yeah. but I'm never not like, Oh, Jen, you idiot, you and your nails. But with our bodies and our physical performance, we do. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? I am stoked to share this episode with you guys. I don't know about you, but I am so drawn to and enchanted by anyone that shows up as their full 100% true authentic self in any space that they arrive into. My guest on the podcast this week does that as much, if not more, than anyone I have ever talked to. She began her career as a fitness model and then transferred into group fitness instructor and also had a career in TV starting on the show American Gladiator and then replaced Jillian Michaels to complete three seasons as a celebrity trainer on The Biggest Loser. Jen is currently the fitness director for Shape Magazine. This was a really cool conversation. It's different than any conversation I've had on the podcast so far, which is why one of the reasons why I'm really excited about it. I have so much respect for people that show up as their true, open, and full selves. Jen is so freaking real and authentic, and I felt it from the first 30 seconds of talking to her. She has a really unique perspective on fitness from being on TV and being in the public eye, and her perspective is different than mine. I love talking to people who come from a different perspective than I do. There are two main reasons why I think it's such an important thing. First of all, we have to get better at putting ourselves in other people's shoes and learning to see things through other people's eyes. Where are they coming from? What do they value? How have their experiences shaped the way that they navigate the world? I think that is so important, but maybe even more importantly, I love figuring out where you align. When you come from two different lenses and somehow you find the same language and you reach the same conclusions, that's where you discover things that are universal truths. It happened multiple times in this podcast episode with Jen and I just think that is so freaking cool. I have so much respect for her and how strong her values are, how authentic she is in the way that she shows up in her work. And so it was really an honor to have Jen on the podcast this week, and I was really grateful to her for giving up her time in order to talk to us on the How Do You Feel podcast. So I hope everybody enjoys this episode with Jen Wiederstrom. Yeah. How are you feeling now that we're nine weeks into quarantine? What's going on with you right now? You know, it's kind of a little, I mean, I feel lucky. I'm in a beautiful place. I'm in lockdown in Florida. I'm a rule follower. So when everything kind of happened, I stayed where exactly where I was. <laughs> um, it's been a little bit of a time warp from the standpoint of when you just said nine weeks, I was like, oh, 
silly Casey. I think she did the math wrong. You know, it's weird. I always feel like I've lost time because it's, it's gone in a blink, but also completely slow. Like I almost don't know how to answer your question. Like I, I feel, um, purposeful. I feel very lucky. You know, my family's not greatly affected by it, but I also feel, I guess, like a less tactical feeling. Like I just feel very like this big exhale. And I don't know if you feel that way too, but you know, in just one week, the, like three months of my calendar was canceled and I had nowhere to be. And you know, all these rushing arounds and things that I thought were important suddenly became not even not important, but like not impossible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or impossible, even great. Yeah, but and and I and I felt like I just feel such a relief, mm-hmm. and I get to just recenter and refocus in a way that there's no way I would have I, I been able to accomplish on my own. Yeah, I felt similarly for sure. Just a sense of being able to re-examine everything that was going to happen in my life, and get to kind of like rebuild. First of all, what quarantine life is going to look like, and what I'm sure. going to focus on, but then. Also, like when things start up again, what do, what do I want to keep doing and what do I not want to keep doing? You know, it's kind of a very unique chance to examine those things. Yeah. And even like what things I'm not giving up from my quarantine life. Like we had to give up things going into quarantine, but there are things I'm not giving up now that I've been in it, you know, and it sounds so... I keep looking up like my mom sent me all these Star Wars puzzles. I have the box... Oh my gosh. And I, I'm currently working on the big one. Nice. And I find myself excited about using my brain in different ways and like the pleasure and the pride that I feel from solving a puzzle. I'm not a great writer and I'm not a great reader and I'm doing both. And I'm doing it because I've taken away this time constraint of, oh, I've got all these things to do today or this weekend, or I'm leaving and why start a book if I've got a trip for four days and there's just no pressure. I'm reading slower. I'm writing and I, it could be five sentences, but like that's, that's more than I've ever written, like in in a journal format, you know? And so I don't know, I'm not going to give those things up. I love that. You used the word purposeful. What do you feel like you've been purposeful about? To be honest, I mean, I'm obviously, okay, I'm a fitness professional, right? I've been doing this for a long time. I'm 37 and most people don't realize how long I've been in the game. And I was at this crossroad, especially coming into 2020, where I was like, I'm sick of being just a trainer and I'm more than lunges and I'm more than <laughs> my latest cover and I'm more than my last TV show. And I, and I just can't find a way to break out of that to do things I'm actually more excited about. And so a birthday gift to myself this year was going to be to quit all social media. Like I had this whole plan. My birthday's in August. And when this happened, I took a real hard look at myself and I thought, are you being a resource for help, like for helping people, for health, for instruction, for coaching, for encouragement? I looked at all my social media. You could just see the the Jenny, the, the eight-year-old Jenny pouting, being like, I don't want to do social media. You know what I mean? And I, <laughs> the purposeful part came through, you can be a resource. 
You can actually coach. You can offer input in whether it's tutorials on different movement systems that you can do at home or just sharing parts of my journey or like, you know, I have my own CBD company and I have a gains box and I'm getting, you know, at a time where I know like I miss my acupuncturist, I miss my massage therapist, where I can provide products to people that can really help. I'm like, I need to like just turn that attitude around and start to offer like who I am. Like I, I am a coach. So why don't I start coaching more? And I think that's the biggest turnaround where I've thought like we really need our coaches more than ever during COVID. So yeah, it's so true. I've definitely had a like mixed feelings about my relationship with social media as well. Just feeling like, you know, it's all kind of a game to like gain a spot, like in some ways, just like gain popularity or gain eyes. And like, I just don't really like playing that game at all. But mm -hmm. I love the way that you're talking about it. It's such a mentality switch of like, wait a second, I get to use this platform to share what I know is important for people. And what I know people need to hear and the people that are scrolling on social media, like this is the stuff that's going to make a difference for them. Yes. So well said. Thanks. <laughs> Seriously, but that's what it yeah. was. I was like, you're being a kid, you're being a child. So you're either going to use your gifts and help people, or you can continue to spiral and be in a bad attitude, you know, had a bad place about it and be resentful and be this mm -hmm. victim. And I just, I just, I was like, I want to turn that around. And so I've like put so much effort. I mean, I'm, you can see, I mean, I, this is where I've been filming all my tutorials, like in this Airbnb that I'm in and I'm just <laughs> cranking away and doing yeah. what I can and talking to people where I can. And even like on my DMS and Instagram, you can leave like voice messages. So I am like sitting there like, I'm like, Hey, I saw, you know, like I want them to know it's me. Like no one else runs my social media. No one answers for me. And I, I think there are those small nuggets of life and companionship and that feeling of like, Oh, I'm not actually alone in this. And someone does see me and hear me. And, and I think we need like nothing will ever beat those three feet of being in front of someone and talking and sharing and connecting. But I think that what this is doing is, is, is uh, forcing in a good way, us to just stretch our wings on communication and connection and saying, there are ways to do this. There are ways to mm -hmm. be a leader. And my friend Rhonda, she always calls it, she calls it servant leadership. You know, we're here to serve, yeah. but as, as a leader. Yeah, it's awesome. Really, really good takeaways. Speaking of being more than lunges and squats in the gym, <laughs> I learned early on in my career that many people walk into the gym thinking that what they're seeking is simply a physical change. Mm -hmm. They think they're looking for a bigger butt or to lose weight or whatever. But I learned early on that nine times out of 10, what they're really seeking is something much deeper than that. What have you learned over the course of your career about it being more than just the physical changes that happen more than just gaining fitness? And in what ways have you seen the gym change clients lives beyond the physical stuff? I mean, well, the, the, the low hanging fruit here is, is, you know, I used fitness for performance and to look good. That's why I started. Like I had no ideas, no awareness around anything else. And it wasn't until I started group teach, um, group class. I can't talk teaching group classes. There it is mm -hmm. where I saw the way movement and fitness changed people. It was the, it's the way they, um, start wearing brighter colors in class. Uh, they start wearing more fitted uh, clothing. They have better eye contact. They mm. talk back to me in class. You know what I mean? They have, they start to find their own voice, not just by speaking, but by being and doing. And that's where I realized that movement and fitness, 
this physical culture is far more about us learning about ourselves. Because when we work out and we move, we learn about ourselves. We learn about when we want to quit. Why do I want to quit? Why is it hard? Why, what makes it hard? You know, my contestants on the uh, from Biggest Loser, I was talking with Sonia Jones yesterday and she goes, you know, Jen, we didn't get this big because we like pizza a little bit. You know, we like it a lot, you know? And she's like, but even then, and we were not laughing, she's like, but really it's not what you're eating, it's why you're eating it. Mm-hmm. And I think that really has to be the source of why you make any change. You know, as you started this conversation, people go in for a bigger butt or a different physique. Carrots work, Casey, they do. Weddings, uh, bathing suit season, anniversaries, reunions, whatever, man. I, I will take those carrots. And I will use that time with those people and start to work in the real juju that we, we come to know that they, they really need in the process. Uh, one of my mentors, David Jackson, sometimes you have to give people what you think, what they think they need in order to earn the right to tell them what they really, right, right, what the support that yeah. they really need going on yeah. and that what they really want, want in their life. And it changed the way I looked at fitness and so like I said, use carrots, but know that the only way to sustain those results is really looking at why, why, mm-hmm. why are you training? Why are you eating? You know? And like, I still eat pizza and I still drink beer, but my eyes are open now. So I, I used to like binge eat and I use food as like to soothe, to punish. It was a very emotional channel of uh, decision-making. And now I do it and I know what I'm doing. My eyes are open and I have a blast. And then I go back the next day because like, I knew if I did that every day, I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't feel clear. I wouldn't be creative. I wouldn't be confident. And I'm far more impatient and less kind when I'm not taking care of myself, which is why I know it's really important for me to do so. Mm-hmm. The things that are holding you back from your physical goals, I think, are also the things that are holding you back in life mentally like what's your relationship to exercise and food and why is it that way right Mm -hmm. and so fitness is the way that you can start to dive in and question those things why are my habits the way that they are why do i turn to these things when i'm not feeling good about myself and then that starts to translate into everything else your work life you can gain confidence. You can break barriers that you didn't know you were putting on yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many things. Right? I mean, in my, bu- in my book, I have a chapter called, I'm writing the book. It's not out or anything, but it's called Your Resistance is Your Radar. So what you're avoiding, you probably need to spend more time on, right? Mm-hmm. You're right yeah. for growth, <laughs> right there, man. And it's interesting though, because how many people do you know that have made a great change physically in their life and then completely backtracked? You know, it's, it's totally. like- I yeah. mean, dozens, hundreds, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the percentage is very high. <laughs> if we want to look at that. You can manipulate <laughs> anything you want. Like your waistline is a side effect of different things. But like, I, that's why, you know, if you go back to Biggest Loser again, I can change the size and shape of anybody. That's easy. That mm-hmm. really is the easy part. Mm-hmm. But it's working the other parts of you mentally, emotionally that sustains it, that sustains the source of the why, like what brings you to that fast food every day. It's not that it's been a long day because everybody has a long day. That doesn't go away. And I think that's the secret that a lot of people don't want to tell you in the the industry. It doesn't get easier, but I am happier. And I am someone that tends to be a little bit more rigid, a little bit more controlling. And I know that about myself, but I have found that now my health is something I'm protecting 
Like, I don't want to go back to forget the way I looked. It was the way I felt. Mm-hmm. You don't want to feel incapable. You don't want to not be able to play with your kids. You don't want to not be able to help your friend move. You don't not want to be able to like walk into a room and feel confident, you know, and that's why eye contact changes. A lot of times when people feel like they're not taking care of themselves is because they don't think they're the worth the investment and they feel like a burden. They're like, I don't want to be in the way. I'm so sorry to bother you, but it's like, bother me. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's the difference. I really think that's, that's the area people have to know that like they belong here and they're deserving, but it has to be that they, they know they want it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause you'll be waiting all day if you wait for the rest of the world to acknowledge you. Yeah, that's so true. So the podcast is called, how do you feel? And yeah. the reason I called it that is because when I first started off in fitness, I was simply chasing a physical change, um, which I think many of us that get into this are, as you've said, but I was simply chasing a physical change without any regard for the habits that I was creating or the way that I was doing it or how I was feeling. Like it left me feeling, well, like crap. It left me with, you know, disordered eating and no energy and like the way that it happened was not going to be sustainable in my life. So I think that as we chase these physical changes, we just have to be aware of how we're making the changes in our lives. Are we doing these things in a way that's going to be healthy and sustainable and that we're feeling good about ourselves? Is our eye contact actually improving? The way I did it at first, my confidence actually didn't improve at all. Because I was doing it to like punish myself. It was, it was a, in a way that was beating myself down, not in a way that was building myself up, trying to make myself feel better and creating the confidence in myself that I later was able to find. It's interesting though. I mean, like any other skill, let's just put fitness and body change on the back burner for a second. Mm-hmm. Cooking, right? I talked about like I struggle with reading, uh, riding a bike. You know, we allow ourselves this process of learning everywhere else. We don't expect it to be, we laugh if we burn the food. I'm like, what? Guess it's takeout. You know, we, we allow that in every other area. Sometimes I read one page a day in the book, but I'm like, I got a page. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I wonder why that is. Because I don't think we learned, I think just because like my, you know, okay, I'm going to do it the right way this time. Like you even said, like, I was going in and then it really, I never felt better. Isn't part of it supposed to be a learning process? I mean, I had no, I was, I was binging and crash dieting for a while and I had no idea that it was bad for me. I didn't know how that affected me. Like no one was home, girl. Like this was like 10, 15 years ago. I had no idea. But then one day I did, and I and I and I wonder what that. Pro- it's different for everyone, but think yeah. about it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. When we jump into fitness, like we don't. Act well, we also in fitness don't really actually start from the ground up. I think a lot of times the way that we approach fitness is we expect it to be all of the things all at once. Mm. Right? We don't. We don't. We're not very good at beginning with the actual starting place. Instead, we, look, we watch our favorite trainer and we just assume that we can do what they do and we just like launch in. So we don't really approach it in the same way as we approach building other I think other that's skills. a really great point. It is expectation. And I, I think that's what feeds the frustration. And, I, and you said we look at our favorite trainer, call it a favorite trainer, call it some Instagram person, call it somebody in the gym. 
I think we are comparing ourselves. Like I don't compare my reading ability to anybody else. I don't compare my food to anybody else. I, you know, sometimes I compare like my nails. Cause like, I, I'm like, I really got to work on growing my nails. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, she's got great nails, you know, yeah. but I'm never not like, Oh, Jen, you idiot, you and your nails. But with our bodies and our physical performance, we do. Yeah. So I wonder if that's something like a great note for anyone listening to take away. It's, it's shifting your expectations around the experience. Like I am going to be where I am now. And it's almost like, it's like falling asleep. All of it's like over a lot of time, but like at once you just, you just turn that corner. You just click and it happens all the time, every day. But if you don't, I think if you don't allow yourself to stay in that process without that expectation, you don't make the turn. Yeah. I read an interesting analogy the other day um, with this like tipping point that you're talking about. Mm. If you imagine an ice cube that's out on the sidewalk and it's, Great. let's say 25 degrees Fahrenheit outside. You will see no change as it gets warmer from 25 to 26 to 27 to 28. You see nothing. The ice cube's not changing. But then from 31 to 32, it's still a one degree change, but all of a sudden that ice cube starts to melt. Mm -hmm. And what you see as that tipping point, it's actually all the little other tiny steps that happened that no one saw that allowed that tipping point to happen. But we don't think about all of those other things. Oh, we only girl. see the like big thing. Yes. When you're thinking about those like tipping points, can you think of any tipping points in your career or in your journey in fitness that have been like, boom, that's, that's it. That's the big change, but it was really all those little things leading up to it. You know, it's happened in a few ways and it never happens alone. It's in the, it's in those, all those other degrees where I had people, coaches, family members that like believe when I didn't anymore. You know, and they keep dusting you off, putting you back on the horse kind of a thing. And it's like, keep going, keep going. You know, those do, because I, 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 I think about Biggest Loser is the, the best analogy in that experience because they, and I've told this story before, but, you know, they brought me in to audition for the role multiple times. And the first time I didn't even get past like the camera audition. And I thought I did great. I was like, I had like a matching outfit and I was like, Hey, biggest, I'm a good trainer. You know? And I thought I, I thought I did great. They're like, uh, uh, I was like, that's weird. I thought I was pretty good. You know, oblivious to why they wouldn't want me. And then the second time, which was three years later, I made it all the way to the end. It was the year they picked Anna Konnikova. And I was like, I did all the interviews, all the meetings, all the stuff. And I'll never forget the feeling in my stomach. You ever feel like your jaw shakes? You're so nervous. Like I, uh, uh, I was like, my heart was out of my chest and my ears went out a little bit. I was like, Ooh, like I, I was like, and I was memorizing like what words I wanted to say. I'm like, I should say it like this and I should say it like this. And then I, okay, what was the workout? I was going to have them do blah, 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 blah. Wait, what was the workout? Blah, 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 blah. And I, and I was trying to memorize what I wanted to be in front of them. And I remember I put my hands on my hips. I was like, you guys ready to sweat or I, I mean, I was <laughs> Not me. Not and being yourself. Yeah. Big surprise. I didn't get it again. <laughs> and it was two years after that. So this is like a five, six year process where they brought me again. And I remember at that point case, I was a pretty seasoned trainer. I had a full schedule. I was making great money. I was still teaching group classes and the casting director's like, Jen, 
you got to come in. We're, we're casting again. I still think it's you. I believe it's you. And I was, by the way, devastated, like, especially the second time. I'm like, this is my second time. It's meant to be. No. Mm -hmm. And I remember I came in, like, I, I think I had like a hole in my tights and I was like sweating, I had a cap on and I was like, oh my God, I did the video thing and I didn't need the job. I didn't think I needed the job to feel valuable. I knew who I was. I knew what I offered. And it's a big thing. You have to go through these, these trial runs with like, you meet these, they're not the real contestants, but they're people that are willing to be a part of the audition um, process for you as contestants. And I'll never forget, like they're, they're churning in trainers. They're probably seeing trainers every 20, 30 minutes. And I remember I'm crazy. I'm from Chicago. So I'm like, I want to scope out. I want to see who's here. And like, <laughs> I, I got there early and I stayed late. You know, I was like, I want to know who they're auditioning. And cause I'm competitive, you know, I finally get in the room. They're like, Hey, we're running a little behind. You've got like 20, 25 minutes, 22 minutes. And I was like, wait a second. So you want me to meet them, warm them up, train them, try to create an emotional connection. It's they're nothing. like, well, if you do it in 20 minutes, that'd be great. I go. And I remember thinking, I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. I don't know. Whereas think about the story of two years before I was like memorizing everything. I had never been in this gym. I didn't know what to expect. And I thought I am just going to trust myself. And that was my 31 to 32 degrees. Right. And that's why they picked me. There's better trainers out there than me. I'm sure that know better sets and reps that know how performance, but I knew people and I knew how to stand in myself. And when you stand in knowing like that, like I offer something and I can help. And if they don't choose me, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I almost treated it like a date. Like if I go out with a guy and I'm crazy about him and he doesn't like me, he doesn't, he's not interested in me. Lose my number. I'm going to be okay. And I had to have that mentality because I realized I was good. I didn't need a show to prove that I was good at what I did. The, the platform's amazing, but it made me, it changed everything case. And that was my one degree, but it was all of those years of the rejection from the show, giving me not rejection, but information. It was like, there's something that you're not looking at. You're not getting the job. Why? And I was like jealous. I was like, really? Anna Kornikova, she plays tennis, blah, blah, blah. Like, why does she know? You know, and I was angry and I was, I was not like being a grown up about it. Instead of looking at what the real factor was, was I wasn't bringing Jen to the table. I was bringing what I thought somebody wanted. And that's why if you date somebody and you bring your representative or, you know, you're trying to make new friends or you're on a podcast and you bring the representative, there's never going to be a real connection. And I think that was just the difference for me because when they gave me the job, I was like, oh shit, I better know what I'm doing now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but that, but that was yeah. really the difference. I knew I was okay. And when, when you stand in yourself, the world moves around you. It really does. I love it. So well said. And it's so freaking true. Like when you come so sure and secure in who you are, you show up in a space differently and people mm -hmm. see you differently. And also the not needing, like when you think about how different, I'm sure your experience on that show would have been while filming if you had gotten it that second time around and you needed it. And every time that you were on camera, you had to perform and you had to prove it because you probably would have still been questioning, like, well, am, am I supposed to be here? Am I not? Am I good enough? Like, Dude, it would have been I would have such failed. a different experience. Yes. Holy crap. 
truly. I mean, it's a great saying, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember the truth. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> like, you're like, wait, how am I supposed to be? How? I, all I knew is if like, when I actually got the job, I trusted myself and I knew if I put my people first, I know how to train really well. I'm a really good, like coaching is like my, my, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's my life force. It fuels me. It energizes me. It challenges me. It, it, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. And I knew if I just focused on that, everything else would just take care of itself. I didn't have to worry about the cameras. I didn't have to worry about anything else. I didn't have to worry about the perfect dancers. I didn't have to worry about anything. And that's, I kept coming back to a place that I knew I could trust because I could trust myself. That's awesome. Hmm. Speaking of the show and the, the process of filming, like sure. I've obviously never been on a TV show, but I imagine that it's such a crazy process because you do all of this filming and then the producers boil it down to like 40 to 50 minutes in an episode and they tell a narrative and they're there to tell a story. Yeah. Did you ever feel like weird about being out of control of the narrative that they were telling? Or did you ever feel like you were asked to like be someone or say something that like wasn't fully in line with who you are? Two answers to that. One, it's funny. My last name actually means against the stream in Sweden, like against the current. And cool. I, that, there is no making me be something else. There was a lot of requests, I will tell you, from production. <laughs> but I knew the moment I stepped out of who I was, I would break the trust uh, with my team. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't about America or the audience. I'm sure they would have gotten footage they could have used, but I would have broken the trust of the people that mattered the most. And that was my team. And that's what kept me in line. It, 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 it's like the equivalent of like, if I post a picture that I've like edited on like Facetune, you know, I know it's a lie. And if anybody knows me, they know it's a lie. So now they've, I've broken trust. So, so that was number one. But the hardest part, I wasn't weird. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. When you take away commercials, you've got, it's something like 40 some minutes of actual time in an hour show. And the hardest part was when you watch these episodes, you remember like the most incredible moments, conversations, workouts, memories of the week. And most of it hit the cutting room floor. I mean, hours of footage, but they have to prioritize, you know, the welcome, the challenge, the, you know, the, so a few, maybe one or two one-on-ones and a weigh-in. Mm -hmm. Boom, show's over. Like, I wish they, they showed extra footage. I mean, and, or what would be terrible, like, there would be this massive conversation like we're having, and then all that would be cut, and it would just be like, I am so proud of you. Like, that's the only line I got. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you know, because there's so much more. So that that would get a little frustrating. But when you realize that, again, you put your people first. I mean, I still talk to my contestants every day, like literally every day. And so we know it's real. We knew that we knew our family and our friendship was real. And I, if I focused on that, whatever the show did it didn't bother me because they knew that they, I love them for real. And that's the most important thing. But yeah, there is some good footage that America would have loved. I mean, the arguments I've gotten in with people, I don't think they wanted to show me, show me that way. I'm not really aggressive, but I've definitely got a bite to me, especially if you mess with my team and my family. So I wish they had showed a little bit more of our conflict uh, with the other team or with the other trainers, but whatever. That's all the stuff that you can take away and feel good about the fact that you didn't like 
I don't know, subscribe to exactly, just exactly what the producers wanted and do it for the show. Like yeah, but again, anybody can do that. That's why you look at Bachelor, Bachelorette, any mm-hmm. of these shows, we have a choice. They cannot use what you don't give them. That's it. Yeah. Like stand your ground. And I've told the show, I don't need to be on TV. Like I'm not right now and I'm doing fine. I'm probably happier now off television. And it took me being off television to know that. Cause again, like attention is a great drug. Like, let me tell you, it's fun to be on a massive show where millions of people follow what you're doing every week. It feels really good, especially as the middle child. Oh my God, attention, attention, attention. But I'm happier now, you know? Yeah, it's so interesting. It's the difference mm-hmm. between doing it and seeking the fame, right? And doing it just for that versus like understanding the experience and growing from it and learning from it and realizing that that's not your end all be all and you don't need a TV show to but do what took, you do best. Yeah, but it took time because I got to tell you, like when I, didn't, I wasn't doing it for fame and then I got fame and then you get thirsty for fame. You're like, wait, mm-hmm. where's all the attention? Where's all the, the, you know? And you have to, you have to really sort your shit out and know what's right and know what's real and know who's right and who's real. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I moved to Denver three years ago and it changed my life. I mean, I thank God for that. You know, I got to reprioritize. Cool. Speaking of being in the spotlight, like what do you see as the upsides to having this status, this public figure status? And what do you see as the biggest downsides to it? Well, listen, with privilege comes responsibility. That's it. And um, I like the responsibility of taking care of people. I do. I like to know that I have spent, gosh, over 10 years now building a reputation and a name that is honest and true and has integrity. And that when people really need support and answers that I'm, I can be trusted to give them the right ones. Mm-hmm. And that's the value of that public eye. You know, the difficult part, I don't know. I, I, think, it, I think it's managing yourself and your own ego. I'm not Oprah. I'm not the Kardashians. Like I don't have people sitting outside my door waiting to take my photos. So I'm in that, I was in that kind of sweet spot of fame and I use the word loosely for me, but like nobody really cares. Nobody cares what I'm eating for lunch. Nobody cares who I'm dating and it's great. So I don't have people following me anywhere, but what fame does and when every, it fractures how you see yourself. And if you don't have a really grounded family or community, it's really easy to let, let the ego run away with, um, the best parts of you. So that would be the hardest part to me. Yeah, it makes sense. So you can imagine why people who fall into that status so early in life have so much trouble because I they mean, haven't laid the groundwork yet of all those things. I think about Britney Spears. Let's just talk about it openly. Do you have you seen her Instagram? I have not seen her Instagram. Tell you me about it. You need to peek it. at it right now on okay. this call. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a woman who was one of the first in my generation to like just claim her power herself like she she just was a standout like we loved her it was fun and you start so early then i remember she had that breakdown and she like shaved her head and you were like is britney okay and now it's like I joke, I'm like, I feel like I need to take an edible and just try to figure out what's going on on her Instagram. Like, yeah, and like what she posts and you're worried about her. She feels, and I don't uh, know her, maybe she's completely happy, yeah. but she seems different. She seems yeah. shaky to me. And that's my personal opinion of working with thousands of people, millions of people, you know? And I think, yeah. man, when it, when it hits you early, how do you come through it? 
And then you, I mean, you look at Miley Cyrus, you look at Justin Timberlake, you look at, I mean, a lot of people can do it. It's not like you can't do it, but a lot of people have struggled and you start to wonder when you get hit so early with that fame, with that pressure, and you're still building that, that relationship with the earth, right? Like you're feeling grounded and, and building the right community. It can take you a lot of different directions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will tell you, like, I started TV when I was 24. Thank God that show, because I did American Gladiators, and that show got canceled, and it was the best thing for me. Like, I was not in a place to be responsible. Thank God I wasn't even on social media. I mean, I would have been posting butt pictures, like, every day. No question. You know? Like, it's so, I, it's... What was the biggest difference between you on American Gladiator and you on The Biggest Loser? Well, Gladiators is more of a character. Like my name was Phoenix. And so I like spoke like one sentence a day, sometimes two. And then I just got to like play games. I was like, rah, and, like tackling and flipping and doing and winning and whatever. Biggest loser. It's like, I am faced with giving these people's lives a place into my care. Mm-hmm. And it's far more pressure because on, on Gladiators, I didn't have to be Jen on the show, Biggest Loser. I have to crack my heart open and be vulnerable and show who I am, break down and cry if I'm sad, be angry if I'm angry. And in this process where I've built this, this trust with these contestants, the responsibility and the pressure to take care of them and to lead them in a healthy way. Because of course we all want to win, but if I push the win over their health, if I make that priority, they're going to follow and I'm going to mess them up forever. And that, so it, it was just, Far, I mean, my hair was turning gray and like falling out on Biggest Loser. I was so stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good point too, giving them the tools and not just prioritizing the win. Oh, and that, you know, the, the win final... was the tools. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, you know? So, I mean, I remember I would have, I'd bring like food trucks to, to campus like every four to six weeks just because it's a long season and it you just need like a little something. And, and like, I remember one time I brought like a coffee truck and the contestants were like, can we have a coffee? I was like, yes, you can have a coffee. Like they have almond milk, they have whatever you want. I'm like, watch the sugary pump pump. But like, of course you can have anything you want. And then I had a beignet truck. And it's funny that the Dalvet's team wouldn't eat the beignets. They might've had one of the contestants, one or two of them eat them, but they wouldn't eat them. And he was like angry with them. I told my contestants, absolutely. They give you a little bag, have one serving, but have it. It's part of you for, it's okay. So to teach like those small, there was a huge teaching moment that yes, you can mm-hmm. have a donut, you know, or whatever, you know. Cause it's and, not real life to always say no. Like correct. that it's shit doesn't not, work. It ain't gonna happen. It right. ain't gonna happen. And listen, I taught them all those tools and they're still, you know, some of my contestants still struggle. All my, everybody puts some weight back on, but it's just, it's just an interesting, it was just far more pressure and stress, but far more rewarding. So mm. Yeah. Jen, have you ever chased something in your career only to realize that that thing that you were chasing like wasn't nearly as validating as you thought it would be? Like only to realize that there's not really an arrival point in all of this. I would say yes to every single thing I've ever done in my career. Oh. (laughs) Yep. Whether it was getting on American Gladiators to becoming a health expert, to like, ooh, I'm on The Biggest Loser now. Oh, I'm the fitness director of Shape Magazine. Oh, I'm a published author. Oh, wait, now it's a best-selling book. It all feels like an internship. <laughs> and that doesn't belittle it. I'm not saying, oh, Biggest Loser is not a big deal. No, it's a massive deal. 
but it was a big part of my learning. I think it's all part of the internship, the learning, the growing, the, you know, we kind of learn, um, you see this like line that kind of goes up at a 45 degree angle, but it's really, it's like you kind of come up and then you dip a little bit and you go up a little higher and you dip a little, and this is it. So we're still progressing, mm -hmm. but you know, for me, I, um, I realize every time you think you make it, it's real. it's not a finish line. It's not, I've made it as you kind of said, it's a well-earned benchmark. It's information, it's pride, it's texture. It's okay. Got this. And I think it's important to be able to celebrate and be excited about those benchmarks because a lot of times people pass over them too. So you've got both spectrums of people like, I'm never going to make it. And they're making, or they make it and they don't celebrate it. And they're just dog tired and unhappy. So I would say every one of my greatest accomplishments in my career were always just benchmarks and were far less thrilling and rewarding than my work that I've done with people and how I've seen them progress. Mm -hmm. So the way you're explaining that resonates so much with me. It's continuous growth, continuous learning and learning doesn't always look exactly like you think it will. Like you said, no. it's not a straight line, but everything is a step along the way. There's no, there's no, Dude, don't get me point. wrong. I, I cry. I'm like, Oh my God, I got to work out forever. I gotta, I gotta keep <laughs> growing forever. Like uh, I'm like this weekend, I, I was crying over something silly and I was like, I can't do another week. You know, then you come through it and even the people that tip top have everything together you think are dream people. They have stuff. They have their same insecurities, same challenges, same desires to grow and same personal hurdles that they need to face to, you know, move the needle forward for them. Even if by a degree a day, you know, going back to your one degree. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Everyone's got shit that they're dealing with. Everyone has insecurities. I've learned that so much as I talk to more people, like both on the podcast, but also just like in life and my husband's industry, like we're all just people. We're all just people learning from things and striving for things. But no, just because like you have a certain status, it doesn't mean that you figured it all out. In fact, I can guarantee they haven't. They've mm -hmm. just figured out different parts on their journey. I mean, it's funny. It's a stupid story, but I'll tell it. I remember I was helping Gwyneth Paltrow has these that her company Goop, right? And mm -hmm. she has these Goop events. And so she had me come in and teach these workouts in the morning for a couple of her events. And it was like a blast. And I got to like go to like the little like shop experience. And I finally got to meet her. And I was like, I'm not really star weird, but with a few people I am. And I was like, oh my God, it's GP. And I, I just told myself right before I met her, I'm like, she farts, GP farts. <laughs> I know she does. We all do, you know? And it just made me laugh. Like you did, like, it just took me a little of the tension. I'm like, did you just support? She's just a woman. And she was so kind and so lovely. And you know what I mean? Like our conversation was brief and, but I had to tell myself like she farts and that helped me <laughs> yeah. because it's, it just, it's honestly, she's just has a different path and everybody's, mm -hmm. everyone's just, just looks a little bit different, you know? So okay. the point is, is that we use it. You've been put on a road, like start walking it. A lot of people, and even including myself, we get stuck in the fork in the road. And I, I worry with a lot of health professionals and experts and trainers and coaches and teachers and nurses and doctors and like all of us everyday heroes is how I, I kind of like to talk about us. We get stuck at this fork in the road because we're here helping everyone choose. In a way, it's a distraction from us choosing ourselves. Which way am I going to go? 
And I think it's an important thing to face for all of us, not just the people we're helping, but the people that are doing the helping. So. Yeah, that's a good point. It's Mm -hmm. way easier for whatever reason, when a client comes with a problem, it's way easier to coach them through it than to like coach yourself through your own problem. What do you mean for whatever reason? You know, the reason you're like, I don't want to look at this. Forget it. I'll work on you. Exactly. I had a really interesting realization a couple of months ago, I guess a month ago, I was in a, um, in a fitness magazine for the first time. And which one? It was, it's called Strong Fitness Magazine. Oh, of course. Great. Congratulations. Thanks. And that was exactly everyone's reaction. Everyone was like, congratulations. That's amazing. Like huge deal. And it was a cool thing. It was something that like I always pictured in my mind as a trainer, like being in a magazine. Right. But when it happened, I had this bizarre realization of like, there wasn't anything I did that proved that I was a good trainer or it wasn't this like big success that like qualified me to get in that magazine. It was simply, I knew someone who put me in contact with that director and then I was in, or that editor and I was in the magazine. Like that was it. Right. And so I was like, everyone's congratulating me, but I almost don't feel like worthy of all of these congratulations because it was just someone that I knew. It was a very weird thing. And I was just thinking about like, I don't know, the nature of publications and status, the way we see it. And yeah, it was very- right, But like, what, was, what, what were you in the magazine for? I'm going to help you out so, here. <laughs> it wasn't like a trainer feature. It was just like, I was in a spread demoing a workout. Okay. Was it your workout? It was a workout that they gave me. So that's why you're like, it was so cool, but I didn't really get to put any of my heart, my mind behind it. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Like if I had written a bomb workout and then the editor chose my workout and I got to be in the magazine doing it, I would have been like, yeah, sick. But I was kind of like, why is everyone congratulating me? I didn't do it. It's just, I got to tell you, it's just a cool, I know what you mean. It's just a kind of a cool, like nuance to our business. Like Mm -hmm. you're in a magazine. I remember growing up and like looking at the muscle and fitness and the flex and all of that and like shape and like seeing the fit people in there and it inspired me. And I think part of it is it's important that we don't like lessen the experience because I think it's really neat and it's kind of like a cool benchmark, if you will, Mm -hmm. of like, wow, I got to do something really cool. To me, what I see it as is like, that's how I started. I started as a picture and they said, oh, you're a trainer. Do you do workouts? Yeah, I do. Do you want to give us one? I'd love to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where, mm-hmm. to me, I see it as an entry point, as a start. And I, and I think you should see it as that as well. It's important that little girls can, that are, you know, twiggy little girls and they're like, she's strong. And I, you know, cause that's how I started. I saw them and I saw pieces of myself in them and, and it gave me confidence to keep going. And I had gymnastics practice. I wasn't like getting ready for the Arnold classic or anything, but that's, there's, there's more to this than it meets the eye. That's all I'll say. I understand. I hear you. That's me getting a little bit of coaching for the day. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Jen, we're kind of running up on time. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. Time freaking flies. I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours, but we won't do that. Looking back, like looking over your career, not that it's even close to over, but looking back on what's been a huge career already, what would you, what are like a couple of things that you would attribute your success to? Hmm. I think it's really two things, three things. One is the foundation that was given to me early on. And my parents 
it was just the pillars of who our family is of hard work, follow through, keep your word, be a good person, be kind. You know, that foundation has been at the base of everything I've done. It's why I have such moral integrity and why I hold such a standard of excellence. It comes from my parents, like from when I was a kid and we, we had a garden plot and I, you know, you know, you know, if I wanted money to spend, I had to earn it. And if I, everything was those principles and those pillars uh, foundationally from my family. Number two would be my mentorship along the way. And it's why I think coaching has become so important to me because me as a mentor, I'm actually starting my own mentorship program called FEM, Female Executive Mentorships. And it's, it's because I had from my college track coach, to one of our sports administrators at University of Kansas, to people in LA that have been there for me, to Adam Bornstein, to Gunnar Peterson, to Bert Soren. Um, and, and it's funny, a lot of times when I'm mentoring people, like there's a gal I was kind of put in touch with, her name's Rachel Baklavec, and I was like, my friend was like, you'd be a great mentor for her, you know? And she's almost been mentoring me more, <laughs> you know? so. It's these people that help me see clearly when I can't, that help me when I'm a little bit off my center, they remind me of who I am and they bring me back to that, that, that middle point. It's like keep those people close. Um, think for yourself, but keep those people close because they're going to, they're going to harness, they're going to help you harness your own strength and your own gifts. And the third, I think is really, I've, I've, I've had such amazing friendships in my life that keep it light. They help keep me from taking things too seriously. Like the, the, my best friends that I have from Chicago, from college, from LA, from, you know, we, I mean, literally for Thanksgiving, I sat at my, one of my best friend's house and we, we played like beer drinking games and we're all like 37 to 40. And we thought, Oh, we're going to use IPAs because we're like grown ups now. And we got so drunk so fast and we laughed so hard. And they remind me that like life is good and they encourage me and all my crazy pursuits. They encourage me when I'm up, they're there for me when I'm down and to have that support, that quilted network of people, it's just kept me buoyant through all of the years. So ironically, my, all of my entire answer is one answer, right? It's people. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Can you just tell listeners briefly where they can find you, where they can find your book or your oh, programs, sure. all that kind of um, stuff? Easiest is just go to my website. Uh, it's weederstrong.com. I know it's very clever. W-I-D-E-R-S-T-R-O-N-G. Um, you can find my book there. You can find my carb cycling challenges. I'm actually just launching an app now. So you can train with me every day. Um, that's on there. So anything you need, uh, that's the place to go. Social media is just my full name, Jen Wiederstrom. So that's it. Easy, Easy enough. Yeah. Cool. I'll link it up in the show notes as well. Thanks girl. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, you any bet. final thoughts before we sign off? Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, I think that people don't often, no one asks me how I feel. And you asked me that question at the beginning of this podcast. And I was like, <gasps> I couldn't answer the question. I spent five minutes babbling. So Low key, I love asking what people doing. how they feel. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. I was ask. like, oh God, do I have to address this? Oh, so keep asking, keep doing what you're doing. That's it, girl. Cool. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel? If you're enjoying what you're hearing, 
Please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on how do you feel. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.